the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one here we go on the panel this morning sabrina nanji with queen's park observer journalist co-founder of the line which is an online magazine matt gurney is here john burnside toronto city councillor and ttc chair who i might add off the air every week comes in with a brand new word what was today's word Saturnine. Saturnine. Glum or gloomy. Okay. Preternaturally Saturnine. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I I fail at Scrabble every time. Uh, Listen, let's actually begin with a column written by Rosie DeMano this morning, and this is not entirely a new topic, Uh, but she paints this dystopic picture of Allen's Gardens and basically says, Allen Gardens, says it has become a no-go zone because of the homeless people who camp there. And Actually, John Burnside, you're a city councillor, so we'll start with you on this one. I mean, she describes the pet raccoon and the crack pipes, and it's just, I mean, I wouldn't go in there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful city park. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's what a lot of the encampments become. You have a real mixed bag of people, some who have um, who are very harmless and but need a lot of help, and then you have harmful people in there. You do have the drug dealers and the people taking advantage of others. Somehow, the narrative has been created in the city that they're all victims, as opposed to some who are victimizers, and um, that's what really needs to be uh, debunked. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to take more work, and I think it's going to actually gonna take the situation needs to get worse before it can get better. Sabrina Nanji, I don't want to misquote her, so I'll paraphrase, but there was some reference to activists who sort of make it their, you know, this their obsession. So as soon as it looks like some homeless people are going to be cleared out, the activists show up and then you end up with the mounted police and then everything goes to heck. Look, I I think that we all don't want to see a repeat of what happened at at Trinity Bellwoods, Um, but there has to be like a happy medium here. I mean, when it comes to just enforcing bylaws. And so I think, you know, a week from today, whoever is elected mayor is really going to have their work cut out for them in this particular case. I mean, I I had this like split second when I was passing by Allen Gardens the other day where I thought, is there a music festival happening here with all the tents? And then I realized, no, like I'm actually seeing what I'm seeing here. And, and, you know, it, it's really unfair. I completely get what's going on with our shelter system. It's completely in shambles right now. But really, there has to be a ha- happy medium here. And we have shown before that it can be done. I don't think it needs to be done on that e- extreme level. Or, but but there has to be something here. And like I said, it's going to be up to whoever is elected next week to come up with, with a solution. Matt Gurney, last week in the debate of the candidates, the question was asked point blank, will you clear the parks out by Labor Day? And almost to a person, I think two people said yes and the rest of them said we have to talk about housing. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm thinking it was what the councillor just said a minute ago about how it has to get worse before it gets better. And councillor, what was that word of the day again? Saturnine. Uh, Saturnine. Yeah, g- glum and gloomy. I mean, that kind of basically is uh, apropos for this because this is something, and I'm, I'm actually working on a column now. I should have it out, I think, tomorrow. I mean, the first draft was obscenely long, so I'm going to have to trim that down a bit. One of the things I'm talking about on the column is how there are parts of the city where we are used to seeing homelessness. And I know that sounds terrible, right? Like, every part of the city matters, every person in the city matters, but I think we're all grown-ups here. We've grown up in and around the city. There are parts of town where we're used to hearing about shootings. There are parts of town where we're used to hearing about homelessness. What we're starting to see, or I've been seeing this with my own eyes, is we're starting to see this stuff pop up in places where I'm not used to seeing it. And when we talk about Allen Gardens, it seems to be sort of a kind of a 
critical nexus that is going to get a lot of publicity. You're going to get Rosie walking around there writing a column. And to Sabrina's point, a week from now, we'll have a new mayor, and they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with it. I'm almost more interested in the fact that there are now homeless people or visible signs of mental illness, random acts of violence, and certainly in my experience, homelessness and signs of drug addiction that are popping up in parts of the city where I have never seen it before. So by all means, let's cl clear out Island Gardens. Let's find the supports that these people need. Let's d separate the good guys from the bad guys and d deal with each accordingly here. But then it's going to be whack-a-mole all over the city because this stuff's popped up everywhere. Sabrina and Angie, I'm going to start with you on this next one. I'm Honestly, my jaw dropped when I read about this this weekend that residential school denialists, yeah, Yes, it's a thing, tried to dig up suspected unmarked graves in order to prove to everybody that there's no bodies in them. Uh, for me, it's a wider issue. I mean, we can talk about the residential school issue in this particular event, but it's to the point where people are so deranged about trying to believe some sort of a political agenda, they'd actually go dig up a grave. Yeah, this was absolutely bonkers to me. And you really have to wonder about the mental state of these people. But in a way, I'm not really surprised. I think historically, you know, across the globe, it, it's kind of expected that when we have this, um, you know, these types of genocides exposed, there's going to be those deniers that crop up too. But I think to go to this level, um, you really have to also wonder about the proliferation and, and easy access to misinformation online and how that might be fueling some of this behavior, which is obviously so hurtful and re-traumatizing to the Indigenous community. And so I think, um, you know, I, I thought it was a good and smart move um, that the, the federal justice minister said he was potentially looking at bringing in consequences similar to the ones that we have in place, uh, you know, for Holocaust deniers, uh, you know, potential criminal or, or, or civil charges, that type of thing. Um, because I don't think this is going to be the end of what we're seeing. And with, with the misinformation that's out there online right now, I think that these types of things could just become more common. Yeah. Matt Gurney, this residential school denialism kind of reminds me of there's a school in the United States on the right that uh, insists on saying that, you know, the slaves weren't so badly treated. They got fed and they probably did better in North America than they would have in Africa. Yeah. You know, when I was reading the, the story about these guys digging to find uh, the bodies, I mean, the really twisted part of me feels like we should just keep like egging them on, saying, well, you didn't work hard enough. Keep digging. Just keep dig deeper until you find something. And basically, that'll be a self-correcting problem. After they dig themselves a mine shaft, we won't have to think about them anymore. <laughs> Um, but all kidding aside, like we, we've all just lived through an era where how many thousands of people in North America proved how, um, how much freedom they had by dying of a, like, viral infection for which there was a safe and effective vaccine the misinformation stuff like it's easy to look in in horror at what, what's happening with these residential school sites because it's obviously horrifying but i think we've been given a really healthy uh, view or at least a really clear view of how far these people are willing to go i don't think there's a law any legislature or state house across the land could pass that's going to deal with this because some of these people have quite literally died in their misinformation, uh, d defending it. And I don't know how we fix that.
And John Burnside, I don't know if you saw the story, but I'll briefly describe it. For me, two stories this weekend kind of bundled together. There was a guy in Windsor who's protesting against drag queen story time. And when a woman picked a fight with him on Facebook, he went to the hospital room of her dying father and took a selfie of himself with her father. And it just seems that there is no limit to will to where somebody will go because they think it's justified by their politics. Right. And I actually uh, heard you mention that uh, on my dog walk this morning and I, and I looked it up and read it. Um, well, and you know, this is what I think is, I think the negative intersection of social media and Donald Trump. And how do I bring it back to that? Well, these crazy people have already always been around and bad behaviors always been amongst us. However, uh, the president of the United States gave it legitimacy to do and say whatever you want that's illegal, hurtful, whatever the case may be. And we're just seeing that play out on the extreme ends of the spectrum. A fun column this weekend by Marcus G. in the Globe and Mail. Let me read you just a portion. He's writing about the no-hope candidates running for mayor. A collection of eccentrics, cranks, grifters, strivers, activists, idealists, and egotists who are running for mayor knowing full well they have zero chance of coming out on top. Uh, John Burnside, having run and won, and run and lost and run and won, uh, how do you reflect on the people who run? I mean, there's a dog. Well, but one could argue that um, there are some of the front runners are in that same position. Uh-huh. They have no chance of winning. Um, uh, and by the way, my record's only uh, 500, so it's uh, <laughs> one loss, one loss. Uh, not great. But what I would like to say is um, there are some actually really good people running, Nia Singh being one of them. I don't agree with his politics, but um, you know, all the candidates, I would say, are, are really um, living in la-la land. When I was watching uh, the debate uh, last week, I believe it was Thursday, um, they were all talking about what they're going to do. And I don't care if it was the candidate on the left or the right, none of them could pay for their promises. So it's all just a bunch of, but as I say, great candidates that will never have a voice. Sabrina and Angie, I'm sure you've encountered uh, on many an occasion these people who run and never win. There's one guy who's always chasing me around on Twitter, and I looked him up, and he placed eighth in a municipal race, but he keeps on lecturing me about what I do on the radio. It's a curious bunch. I mean, I thought it was a very interesting and good story. I mean, obviously, there's some argument to be made that uh, this is democracy, but I actually think that this has kind of exposed some of our issues in the city here. I mean, um, obviously, there's some question right now if any of these front runners will drop out at this late stage and, you know, back one of their opponents. Um, because have you guys, like, seen the size of that ballot? It's huge. But oh, I, I, know. I, actually, I actually think, like, this has kind of reignited the debate a little bit on, you know, ranked ballots, um, campaign finance disclosures. And I think a good start maybe to all of this would be raising the bar for signatures. I mean, the threshold is is only 25 right now in order to get on the ballot. And so I think if you had to get maybe 100 or a higher number, show that your neighbors, um, your, your future constituents uh, are supporting you. You've got some level of grassroots support enough to mount a competitive bid. This is a city of almost 2 million eligible voters. I think that we could raise the bar a little more than 25 signatures to get on the ticket. Yeah, Matt Gurney, I think Marcus G described the ballot as the size of a cafeteria tray. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember I saw the picture of it and then I laughed and then I looked closer and I realized it was real. Like my immediate instinct was that it was someone who was using one of these new AI art generators to like tell a joke about the state of municipal politics. And then I actually realized that the state of municipal politics is a joke. And that was that was kind of a brutal realization. But I mean, I'm going to refer back to word of the day, Saturnine here, because I think the councillor... <laughs> 
I, I think he's right. Like we're, we're talking about here about the, the also rans, but I mean, basically that's all but one of the candidates, according to what the polls are telling us right now. I think, you know, I mean, when you think about all these guys who, John, John it's funny, you read all the, uh, the, the descriptive way Marcus described them. I mean, at least they're not digging up grave sites. I'll say that. Like they found another way to channel their weirdness. But this is this has not been a good election campaign, and we should probably ask ourselves after if we need to do it quite this stupidly. Okay, one last topic, not a lot of time on the clock, but I'm curious about your thoughts on Joe Rogan, the podcaster, interviews Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's polling at 20% amongst Democrats to be the nominee. Uh, RFK Jr. is a vaccine denier. He makes all kinds of ridiculous arguments. A scientist picked them all apart on Twitter. Rogan said, why don't you come on and debate him? And he said, I don't debate conspiracy theorists. Sabrina, my experience in 20 years of hosting a show is also don't debate conspiracy theorists, because what they say sounds sensible, and when you pick it apart, they just go, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> I mean, I would have to agree with you, but I have a feeling that this is going to get a lot of listens for Joe Rogan, who is very popular. Um, and, and this might be just a, a tactic to, to get to get people to tune in. I mean, it sounds like it's going to make for an entertaining um, spot, but uh, I, I would have to agree with you. I'm not sure how uh, compelling and insightful the debate will actually be. Yeah, and Matt Gurney, just I don't debate uh, white supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis, vaccine deniers, uh, climate change deniers, because they just make it up off the top of their head and pretend that their references are science. Or they actually just know so much minutia and trivia that they just bury any yeah. sensible uh, logic. They just flood the zone. They just bury you in crap. And then there's someone out there who's going to go, wow, that's really persuasive. The thing people have to remember is when you're watching a debate, you're not actually evaluating an exchange of facts. You're evaluating a performance, and most people can't tell the difference. Thank you all for this. Good to have you. John Burnside, Matt Gurney, Sabrina, and Angie. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.